I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And this episode is brought to you by RocketMemory.com, a program created by Ivy League grads. An amazing memory isn't something you're born with or something that inevitably gets worse with age. Instead, it all comes down to learning how to use your brain in ways most of us were never taught growing up. Check out RocketMemory.com. Well, shout out to RocketMemory.com and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. After the break, we'll be joined by Nico and Kevo to talk with them about the video game. Fast and Furious Crossroads just came out this year. But Joe, extracurricular activities, what have you been up to since we last recorded? Um, Nothing. It's been kind of a short time since we last recorded, right? It feels like it. It's a normal, normal length. We were watching lots of cops. We've caught up on all of our trash TV and I had a really funny cops episode, like probably one of the best cops segments I've ever seen. Did you watch extra? cops yet no just cops but it was something i tweeted about this guy gets is like found in this parking lot of a subway and the cops like you know it smells like weed in your car were you smoking weed and he's like yeah and they're like well where is it and he's like it's in that backpack that's my mom's backpack and they're like this is your mom's backpack he's like well well no it's hers but i use it and like well what are you doing here he's like waiting for a phone call they go in the backpack he has like one large ziploc baggie with a ton of little baggies with prices labeled on them and individual, like, nugs of weed, okay? And the cop's like, are you selling weed? He's like, no, I'd be a really bad drug seller. And the cop's like, obviously. And he's like, so why do you have baggies with prices written on the baggies? And he's like... Oh, I did that because I thought it would look cool. Very cool. They're like, you you just thought it would look cool? And he's like, yeah, I went to my friend Mark's house, that li- like Mark that lives right on this street up here. It like, totally outs this guy. This guy's not involved at all. He's like, yeah, I went to Mark's house and we decided on prices because we thought that would look cool. And I wrote them on the bag because I'm, I'm just like a little bit creative sometimes. And the cop's like, you're going to jail. <laughs> like, you're fucking done, dude. <laughs> and it was just like, it was one of the most mind-boggling cops experiences i've ever seen i was like this is this guy is such an idiot i was like wow some criminals are like sometimes you know you see them and you're like oh this person just got caught whatever this guy was like dumb dumb anything else of note no i'm excited to talk about our next episode's movie because i have a lot to say but we'll talk about that with larson on friday what have i been up to in the last couple days i have been watching anything have i been watching anything i've been watching a show on netflix called unbelievable uh Mm. which i'm not even going to describe to you because you're just going to groan about it so i'm not going to say that is it unbelievable whoa yes what else have i been doing i've been reading oh i i didn't tell i didn't say this a couple times ago but i play i play i was in in the mood a couple nights ago okay uh, to play halo 2 and you know people have said that or people probably know if they're diehard dedicated listeners to this that you and I met playing Halo 2 that yes, you know we, we played for a long time in 0405 and so a couple years ago the Master Chief collection came out for Xbox and they put mm-hmm. all four the first four games and whatever and they built they went from there and they keep supporting it and it's better now because when we were playing there were so many bugs and we played co-op and we beat I think one and two and part of three but we were working our way through it yes and so the other night I was just like I want to play some like 
like Rumble Pit, which was the, I don't think they call it Rumble Pit anymore. I think they just call it like Free For All Slayer. But it's just, you know, eight people in a room and just first to 25 kills wins. Yes. The first game I came in third and I was like, hell yeah, still got it. Like pretty good. You know, it was on, what map was it on? It was on, I don't remember the name of the map, but it was like Zanzibar. that purple, like the circle where it's like there's the sword at the top middle and like that like hu- like ledge that hovers or whatever. Then there's like an upper layer and there's a bottom layer and there's like things that shoot you up from the bottom to the top and there's like ramps and stuff. It's like a very oh, small, small level. One. I know exactly which yeah. one you're talking about. Yes. I don't remember where the sword is, but I, I know how to get around in this level and I can, you know, I'm decent enough at the game. So I came in third and like, okay, cool, still got it. And then I played two more and I came in next to last and then last by a mile. And I was like, oh, maybe not. Maybe I'm not good anymore. But like one was a level that I was... I don't remember, like, there was an expansion pack or something that came out to Halo, like a map pack, like, way later, and mm. Turf was in there, and I remember Turf from that, like, that was one that I played on, and I was like, okay, like, that was next to last or whatever, but I was, like, kind of close in the middle of the pack, and then there was a map that I had never played before, and I was in last by Mox, I'm like, I don't know where anything is, I don't know how to get around, yeah. I was just thinking about how, like, I was getting my ass kicked by people who probably weren't alive when Halo 2 came out in 2004, so. Or people that are, like, <laughs> that were our age when it came out, and just have played nothing but that yeah because we were playing like the master chief collection came out when i was in austin so it's either like 2014 or 15 or 16 so like there's been four or five six years since that came out i just haven't played like i played other but i don't even play like shooters really like i'm you know it's in my dna of sorts to like be okay at them but like man i was like oh that's a rude awakening like i expected (laughs) to get my ass kicked and then like the almost the false positive of like Oh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good. Like I was, there was a chance in the first game where I was like, I might actually win this. And then, yeah, the second and third game were like, no, oh no, nope, nope, nope. So uh, <laughs> that's pretty but it was funny, fun. actually. I remember we used to be able to like, I mean, like you know, it's anything that you spend eight hours a day doing. There would just be like insane shit that we could do in Halo. Like you know what I mean? Like you just like look in the sky, throw a grenade, and you like stick a dude like halfway across the map, and you're like, oh yeah, like that was like a normal day yep. playing Halo. And you're like, if I try to do that now, it's like absolutely not. Like that's just my fingers won't move that way. So like, there's a lot of games that I'm interested in playing that are out today that I would really like to play, but it's like, oh, that's just the game. Like when you play video games, you're not playing video games, you're playing that game, and not even just like stuff like Fortnite where like it's the same kind of thing but like there's just certain things where it's like oh this is all encompassing like i want things that are either like short like a three to five hour story or something that i can do like get like you know last of us like 20 hours but there's yeah. even games like you know like the zelda game that came out a couple years ago on switch like breath of the wild that's like a hundred hours to beat and i know i'm gonna love the game probably but like i don't have a hundred hours i mean i do have a hundred hours but i'd rather watch like 50 movies you know I just yeah 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 there's a lot of games out there that i know that i would love you know, then I, you know, as, as I say that, as I put 200 hours into this blunky, but you know, it is what it is, but it is what it is. It's okay. I do also want to say, I watched the other night, the new Soderbergh movie on HBO Max, Let Them All Talk, which feels like it was made for like my mom, like, you know, women in their sixties and seventies, but like, it's kind of great. Interesting. Why does it make it feel like it was made for women in their sixties and seventies? Well, it's about four or three or no, four, three. Three 70-year-old women taking a cruise from America to the UK. Meryl Streep is an author, and she's receiving an award. And so she has two of her lifelong friends who she's kind of fallen out of touch with, and she brings her nephew, who is Lucas Hedges, who's the son in Manchester by the Sea. And like ah. they just take, they hop this cruise, and they go to England because Meryl Streep like, doesn't want to fly. Like She's like just will not fly. And so her agent is like, I know a way to get you over there. The Queen Mary? Boat. Does she take the Queen Mary? Is that the ship that she takes? Yeah, Queen Mary too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. My boss takes that all the time. And, like, it looks beautiful. And I looked up, and, like, the price, I mean, especially now in COVID, like, the prices to take a cruise are, like, wildly cheap. Because, like, it looks 
beautiful, but also... My boss loves it. He takes it, like, every every couple years. That's how he likes to go to Europe. He, like, raves about it. He says, like, the food is great, and it's, like, super relaxing, and it's, it's like, two weeks on the boat. Yep. And he loves it, yeah. Reading about how they made it, like, we have an hour and a half to get as much as we can in this scene, because, like, they're not closing the ship down. Like, they just, they boarded the ship with other passengers. And, like, uh. they put signs up, but, like, people apparently didn't really care that they were filming. Yeah, it was really, really well done, really... I mean, Soderbergh is just, you know, one of the best living directors, one of my favorite directors, and it was just great to see. I enjoyed it. So, cool. again, not that I'm the target demographic, but, like, I really enjoyed it. So, if you want a... Uh, a pleasant, really well-made movie. Let them all talk on HBO Max. Pretty good. I it's really also like you it. can't go wrong with Meryl Streep either. So true. Shout out to past guest Michael Domenico and the Not Hurricane podcast. True. We have a Patreon page here on the show. Too fast. Too forever. Com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Millam, and Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, aka Montez. Thank you all so much for supporting us at the $5 level or above. Exciting new stuff coming to the Patreon. We will announce in one week. Not yet, but cool. stay tuned. Too fast, too forever.com. Also, check out too fast, too forever.shop to check out oh, our yeah. web... St- I'm, I'm, I really would like to do another t-shirt design, but I just don't have any ideas at the moment. But I'm, I'm trying I'm, to I'm think thinking. of them. I know we talked about this. I, when I went to visit Rachel's parents... At the beach, we walk down the boardwalk, and I need to, like, pass one of these boardwalk t-shirt shops again to get, like, the ideas of, like, what the bullshit t-shirt meme type things are. You know what would be, like, a fun idea? I just had an idea. Is like, we'd be, like, I'm a pre... Like, do, like, a Dom, like, the Dom custom Facebook generator t-shirt. Like, I'm a mechanic. I like American muscle. And, like, you know, like, has, like, the whole list of superlatives. And then says, like, yeah... And my sister bought me this shirt. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. When you upload a design to the shop, you have to add tags. It's like yes. Fast and Furious. I'm like, Too Fast, Too Forever, Paul Walker, Brian O'Connor, whatever, right? Yes, yes. And yes. so if you click around on Public, there's a lot of shirts that just like random ass people are doing about like the Fast and the Furious. But like, I kind of want them to be about our show because i feel like i agree doing a shirt that's like just got like dom's face on it's like well that feels like on the border of like whether or not that's legally allowed by universal exactly yes that's i agree us aping cha-cha-cha is like i I don't know that's not a thing and like you know the denise shirt is fun like it i don't know but like i don't want to make it like a fast and furious shirt but like if we like the dom shirt if we could add in things in there that are like just the dumb things like i got an oversized fork and spoon in my office or whatever like just (laughs) like stuff that's about the movies i remember everything about my father (laughs) yeah that we have particularly paid attention to or made note of I yes. think that's better. Like, I don't want to just do like a like ride or die. It's like, well, yeah, like everybody can do that, right? Like, exactly. No, no, they need to be good, and the and the ones that you came up with are excellent. Like, are so on that like you can't beat them. It's it's better to have a smaller, better store, I think, with designs than it is to have just like a ton of them that aren't really related to us. So right. So just keep an eye on too fast too forever shop. We'll also announce when we have new designs. I cut one out of this episode that Joe and I just talked about, where I th- we, I think there's one more that we're gonna do that we might you know put up this year. Yeah, just keep an eye peeled on our social and on the show and whatever too fast too forever shop. We also have an email address, family at cageclub. Me and Joe, we got no emails today, okay. but I feel like based on the way that they ebb and flow, we will have more on the next episode. 
So True. email us, family at cageclub.me. But Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and the Furious. There's been a couple of things, but anything that you want to make note of since we last spoke about things. the Fast and Furious. I didn't see any things. What are, what are the couple Christopher things? Nolan, baby, came out as oh. a huge Fast and Furious fan. Yes, yes, he wants to make... It. Well, I mean, they like were talking about what it would be like if Christopher Nolan... Kevo sent us a great link that was like, what a Christopher Nolan Fast and the Furious would look like. And yes, and you retweeted the article that was like, Christopher Nolan's a huge fan. Yeah, he loves the first one in Tokyo Drift, I think, it seems. Like, that's what I've gathered. Him loving Tokyo Drift is pretty awesome, right? Because we love Tokyo Drift, so kind of gives us some validation there, I think. Yeah. Also, of note, we put this link out there, but, you know, this past week was the Disney investor call, the four hours where Disney was like, hey, here's a title of a thing you're not going to see for two years. Or remember that title of a thing we announced last year? Here's a date that's going to come in the next year or two or three years, right? Like, yes, very saying very little, but also kind of drumming up excitement about things. My big takeaway, like there's an alien TV series coming to FX that's going to be made by the guy who did Fargo and Legion, which is very exciting. That's very cool. But of note to us... We've got um, <laughs> Vin Diesel. Well, that's a that's a different thing. I'm gonna get to that too. Oh, okay, that's, okay. That's the Game Awards. So like this past Thursday was crazy. Like they had this whole four hour Disney thing. thing. Okay. And then they had a Game Awards where it was just like video game awards and like new trailers and stuff. So like it was essentially six hours of like, hey, things you're gonna be excited about in the next two years. Yep. But we've got a date for the Jungle Cruise movie with The Rock and Emily Blunt, which I think is this summer sometime. Yeah. Yeah. We've yeah, yeah, got. That's true. A Cars TV series coming to Disney Plus, so I guess you know Cars Lap confirmed, maybe. I think that they already had a Cars TV series. It's like it's it's Cars related TV series. So there was a video game that came out for the Xbox 360 in like 0506 where you played as Mater, and it was just like a tow truck. I don't know. It was a weird. But yes, then later that night after the Disney thing, they did the uh, Game Awards, and there is the Arc 2, which we have joked about on here because your friend. Matt or Zach? Who is it? Zach was parking dinos. Yeah, so explain what you what you think Ark is. Because we've talked about that, I think, on here a little bit too. But like, what do you, how do you see the video game Ark? <laughs> I might slam some people. If you, if you really like Ark, I'm sorry. I'm old and don't play video games anymore. So my take on Ark is that it's like EverQuest, but you're a caveman. You like try to build your caveman up and you try to capture and park dinos because you can ride them and fly them. People build, like, their own, like, cities, and then it resets. That's what I know about Ark. Yeah, so it's like a survival... Not survival horror, but like a survival game where you have to... Like, you just dumped in the wilderness with nothing, and you have to, like you said, grow yourself up, and you can tame dinosaurs and ride dinosaurs. Yes. And there's some kind of, like, ancient technology or something that you have to, like, conquer to win? I don't know. But they announced that Ark 2 will come out at some point in the indeterminate future, next year or two probably, but it's starring, looks like, sounds like, voiced by Vin Diesel. The character in Ark was like a bald caveman, so it looked like Vin Diesel to begin with. So that's the whole point, that it fits perfectly. And you know like there's this whole new trend to cast actors. Like Vin Diesel's probably one of the bigger ones, but they've cast a lot of actors actually in games. Like Elliot Page has been in games. Norman Reedus has been in Death Stranding. Keanu. Is in Keanu Cyberpunk? in Cyberpunk 2077. Yep. yep. Like, there's a bunch of people that just become video game avatars of themselves that just look like it. Like, there's a whole game, Until Dawn, which is a kind of choose-your-own-adventure horror game on PS4, where, like, Hayden Panettiere from Heroes and a bunch of actors that you would probably at least be like, oh, that guy. Like, they were all in that, too. And they're just... Now that graphics have gotten good enough to 
show that like actors are just in games now which we talked about before you know because it's like why use actors because you can use anyone and you can use different voice actors but also it's cool that they use actors so and then also you know of course the thing that we're talking about this episode fast and furious crossroads makes sense because it's in an established universe already but also you have you know other people like shaniqua martin green and peter stormare and other actors whose names i can't remember but yeah makes sense anything else that you've seen i think that's all the news and most of it's not even about fast and furious just sort of adjacent no no that's it i I totally forgot about the christopher nolan thing but like yes that is as close as we got to fast and furious news (laughs) i was curious to see if disney was going to be like hey everything's going to disney plus but that's not the case like some of fox searchlight stuff i think is coming to hulu but widow black widow is still in theaters in may it's like what are you doing yeah i mean hey make that money what money i I don't know i don't know they're very optimistic about vaccines i guess all right the fast and furious minute the final thing to talk about the deleted scene which is officially titled brian and mia at the beach your moon? Yeah, it is. I'm In this scene, which is two minutes and ten seconds long, probably the longest one we will do, presumably after the date of cha-cha-cha, Mia drives herself and Brian to the beach. Brian and Mia climb onto her hood, chat a bit, then start to make out. Mia moves them into her car where she slides onto his lap, and things start to get heavy. There's some butt grabs in this one. When we talked about the deleted scenes in the episode earlier this lap, we were talking about Rob Cohen's reason for getting rid of this is because if you're not showing nudity, what's the point? Like, And that's kind of a shitty simplistic way of saying it but i kind of get it like if you're spending two and a half minutes of like look at these two young attractive people making out it would be cut down if this was included but like it just it's a lot of nothing for nothing kind of i agree 
I 100% agree. Yep. So the clothing is what they wore to Cha Cha Cha. I can I can confirm. I'm excited to confirm that they were both wearing jeans, which we could not see under the table. But they're both wearing Ooh. jeans. That's a big takeaway. But what did you notice? You said you found some cool stuff. I found uh, some in this really bit. cool stuff. So the scene starts out, and you get these like two towers, right? And they're like red and white striped. As you had pointed out in the document. It's lifeguard tower number 60. I'm, you know, trying to find it on Google Maps. And I type lifeguard tower number 60. It's like instantly found. It knows exactly where it is. And I'm like, this is very strange. So I found both of these on Google Maps. The t- the towers are a department of water and power. DWP, sc- baby. Scatter good steam plant in El Segunda. So it matches, right? It's where they are for sure. It's right across the street from Tower, from Lifeguard Tower 60. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I got both of these, right? And I was like, but like, why is Tower 60 so popular, right? Like, it's like super marked on the thing. This website is wild. I'm not going to spoil what it is, but I'm looking at it right now. And wow. Okay, keep going. I'm like, why? So as I'm looking at the Google Maps placement of Tower 60, I see that it has a website, tower60.com. And I was like, why would a lifeguard station have like a tower, like a, like a website for one, t- like not like, you know, lifeguard towers, California. It's like tower60.com. So I go to tower60.com and apparently this guy that's in real estate in El Segunda is like into charity and the charity's based around Tower 60 and it's called like the Tower 60 charity and they all like come do fundraiser things at this tower that Brian and Mia were making out next to. El Segundo's Tower 60 lifeguard station has stood as a symbol of hope and helpfulness at El Segundo Beach and I'm honored to appoint Tower 60 as the official foundation that serves the goodwill ambassador for my mission. There's just a bunch of pictures of him with like, they have like temporary tattoos of the tower. Yeah. It's kind of a cool design, honestly. It's a really cool design. The coolest part about it, and like what I started noticing in the pictures, because I was like, oh, this is weird, because in the movie, it's just like a white, normal lifeguard tower. Right now, it's bright pink. And one of the charity events that they did was they raised all this money to paint it pink for breast cancer awareness. So now Tower 60 is this like bright neon pink and I was like, this is like really, really cool. But when have you ever heard of a lifeguard tower that has its own website? So I guess that makes sense why they were parked there, because it's like a local monument, a local, like a known thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. If you don't live there and you don't like think about it, it's just like, oh, they just parked on the beach, right? I would imagine like it's like in New York where there's a bunch of piers that are like on like the west side, like Chelsea Chelsea Markets and Chelsea Piers and everything, like where there's some that are like, oh, that's a thing where X happens. But like otherwise you're just like, Oh yeah, there's Pier 11. I think it reminds me of like in Pittsburgh when you're driving like from my house to the like arena, you drive down this one um, boulevard and there's a park that has this like art structure in the middle of it. Okay. It looks like giant bent French fries. Okay. And it was like always painted yellow, like French fry color. And like, if you know anybody in the city and you were like, oh, you know, we were driving by the French fries, like everybody knows what you're talking about, but like. This is what it seems like to me. You're like, oh, yeah, like the life, like Tower 60. Like we were right by Tower 60. You're like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. It doesn't mean anything to anyone else, you know, kind of thing. So I was just like mind blown that like Tower 60 is like its own huge thing, apparently. Local art, man. How do you figure? I don't know. Anything else of note? I did make a note that the uh, we now see inside Mia's car, maybe for the first time, they have tan seats, tan leather seats. That's a that's something. You said, did you? This is a question just for you, though. Did you think that the car is British? No, no, no. I was joking because in the note document, I said it's kind of like the Han and Giselle scene, but like they're in because I was saying that they're in the passenger seat making out. But like Han's driving. I was just making a joke that like if they were driving, it had to be like a British car with a steering wheel over there. Like that's not the same thing. That's all I was saying. 
Okay, that makes so much more sense. No, I wasn't... No, 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 no. Like, I was just like, it's like that scene, except it's a different kind of car. But, like, it's not at all. It's just, like, there where there's no, you know, protrusion. Giselle sitting on a lap, like, seems so uncomfortable because, like, there's not enough space with the steering wheel there. But with Mia on Brian, it's like, yeah, let's move to a place where there's more room. There's not a steering wheel in my back. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, no, I wasn't like, oh, this is like an MG or something. Like, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I was like, what? We know it's a, an Integra. Like, I was like, why? Why did you make up that this is British all of a sudden? Like, where did that come from? That was my curiosity. <laughs> what you were asking about. Either way, British or Japanese, dri- like drive on the other side, right? Anything else of note to point out? Um, no, I'm very surprised that I found out where this scene took place, though. For how like silent, dark, blurry. Yeah. This is the lifeguard tower really set us off. Yeah, you it, messaged me. You were like, I got something. I was like, I, I, without even knowing, I was just like, that's impressive. Cause like it's 40 seconds before they get out of their car. And then they're like almost 10 before they talk. And just and darkness. It's like, and just like, darkness. Yeah, blur- and we've talked about the resolution. We're like, there's nothing. So like the fact that you're like, I got like, if you got anything of decent note and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I just like, you know, I got the, I got the dialogue and I got some like minor things. And I was like, you know, whatever. The fact that like you found something is good on you. Thank you. Yeah, I was proud of this too. All right, let's take a quick break and let us bring back Nico and Kevo to talk about Fast and Furious Crossroads. Episode number 152, Crossroads. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Memory, a program created by Ivy League grads. Improve your memory in 10 days, transform your mind forever. Guaranteed results or your money back. Rocketmemory.com. Wait, was I supposed to watch the Britney Spears film Crossroads? Is that what we're talking about? Because you said this episode is Crossroads. I was, about I was thinking Spears? we were just going to watch the Bone Thugs and Harmony music video. Like, I love Pat Benatar. <laughs> Exactly. Well, welcome back to the show, and welcome back to the show once again. So now, okay, we had a rescheduling, so you guys haven't been here in, I think, three weeks now since Hobbs Too and Shaw, long. but mm. since you were here, we added you for another episode because it's now Fast and Furious Spy Racer, so it's truly, truly the lap that will never end because we got this, <laughs> we got our Tune-Up Relap Recap, and then we got our Spy Racer Sahara. So, like, I do think this is like the Hotel California. You can, you know, you can never leave. That guitar solo never ends. And neither does his lap. But welcome. Thank you for joining us once again for maybe the weirdest assignment. I know that, Nico, you're you're a gamer. Kevo, I'm not sure your history with gaming. I'd love to hear that, too. But what did you guys think of watching a three-and-a-half-hour play-along video on YouTube? Exhausting. It, fair. So much of the gameplay was just, like, unoffensively uninspired not necessarily even that the game is terrible or anything fast and furious makes you want to open world but fast and furious is looking to keep a very tight story you can't really open world fast and furious isn't a game about destroy everything so you kind of have to pinball off of objects there was just so much driving to do nothing and go nowhere back and And forth 
yeah. think that gets a little better as the game goes on, but especially early on, you're like, all right, let's go back to the safe house for the sixth time. You're like, okay, yeah, sure, okay. You know, one of the things is Fast and Furious doesn't really develop its characters right away. It sort of takes its time to do that. And by yeah. the sixth movie, you care about them, which is honestly too long to wait to care about somebody. The bigger problem came in that these characters were sort of stand-ins for other characters. Mm. You know, Vienna reads a lot like Letty. Cam reads a lot like, kind of like a Tej. Mm. You know, sort of like comes in and has something to say and- Sarcastic. Yeah, kind of reminds you of why you're in the race. You know, Sebastian getting fridged was like an adorable touch. Then he's just sort of a Giselle. He's just somebody with an accent who got killed. And it furthered someone's story, I guess. And I'm against fridging, specifically because the term fridging applies to women, but I'm against needlessly creating and killing characters for no reason. Sure. I kind of lost the thread of the narrative at that point, too. Like, I didn't fully understand why Vienna and Cam were still even involving themselves. They were in all of this for him. Well, because they had to stop Cobra Kai from getting a fifth season. I guess. (laughs) In that regard, Kevo, it's kind of like the Fast and Furious where it's like, well, why why are our guys saving the world again? Like, they don't necessarily need to be. So I think it's at least, if nothing else, on brand? I suppose. What is your, just as a, as a quick baseline, because I know that Nico has talked a lot about Kingdom Hearts and other games on here. What's your history with video games? Are you a gamer? Or are you someone who watches Nico play? Or do you not really have any interest in the uh, the hobby, the recreational pastime, as it were? Uh, mostly the last one. I okay. had an SNES and an okay. N64 growing up. Uh, those are the only gaming systems that I personally have ever had. I don't know if it's the ADHD or what, but I just don't fully have the patience for video games a lot of the time. Same. I can relate. I more find them frustrating than anything else. Where I like live for the frustration. Oh, yeah. I, me too. I don't mind being annoyed. You know, I'll go, fuck. But like, it's not like fucking now I'm going to snap my system in half. It's like fucking now I have to figure out a way to do it. Yep. It does sometimes sound like you might snap it in half though, I, I get as very a bystander. So as a as a kind of a baseline for this game, so this game was delayed, I think, a couple times. It was supposed to come out within a month of F9 coming out, and then F9 got delayed, but this game got pushed to the, later in the summer as opposed to when it was originally supposed to come out, like April, May or something. And there was a COVID delay because like a lot of people mm-hmm. just don't realize that, not to cut you off, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. People no. don't realize that, you know, they work on a video game for like six months after it comes out. You know, there's patches. I mean, all you got to do is look at what Cyberpunk, what is it, 2077, yeah. yep. which got like a 60 gigabyte first day download. So you don't even realize it, but the game is done and people are still making it. The idea that the game came out in the summer and was still COVID affected makes a lot of sense because, you know, like look at Marvel's Avengers. That thing's getting patches in hopes that maybe someone will keep playing it. You just don't realize how much goes into a video game for how long. Yeah. Whether it's that, whether it's something else, but this game was not received very well. Critics were very cruel to it. We were lucky enough to have the game director. I think this actually game has three different directors, but he was the creative director. Andy Tudor reached out to us on Twitter because we talked about how progressive we thought it was that we had a non-binary character at the heart of the story. And we're like, that's so cool. And he's like, glad you noticed that. That was one of our main intents, whatever. And we're like, hey, we would love to have you on the show. So he came on and was on for a very long episode talking all about this. And his perception, his perspective, I enjoyed it because of the show. And I think Joe enjoyed it because he was watching along. And like, there's a lot of Easter eggs in here for diehard fans of the series. But 
people, I think, looking for, you know, a $60 value maybe were maybe disappointed. But the way he looked at it, which I think is a refreshing and nice way, and maybe it's just marketing spin, I don't know. But he said it's essentially two the length of two movies, or maybe, you know, one and a half Fast and Furious because we're getting longer all the time. But, like, there is a lot of story here in a year where we were supposed to have a Fast and Furious movie and didn't. And even if we never see these characters again, I think it's a kind of a, a nice pers- a nice way to look at the game and sort of frame the story that we're taking in here. Even if it's just like a, hey, where were Dom and Letty between the time of like Fate and F9? Oh, they were here stopping a rocket launch. One of the things you said, though, really helped focus what my thoughts had been about this video game. For me, it feels like this video game is specifically targeted at the most diehard most liberal and most forgiving members of the Fast Furious franchise who are able to look past the video game's flaws and just be excited about the things from the film franchise that are in it that are referenced. And that's great, but I think that has to do a lot with why it got the reviews that it did. I appreciate you saying that it's two movies, and I appreciate the director saying it's two movies. To kind of give some perspective... You said I play Kingdom Hearts. You know, I, I Kingdom Hearts I love, but like I'm a Final Fantasy guy. Sure. You know? mm-hmm. And when I think about a Final Fantasy game, I think about an 80-hour gameplay. Right. When yeah. I think about a Mario platformer, I think about a game I'm going to beat 30 times. Yep. I appreciate that this was a three and a half, four-hour cinematic play experience, but I think I'm looking for more than a four-hour gameplay experience where... Something like, I didn't exactly clock it, but I think something like at least two hours of the three and a half hours was driving sequences. And so many of the Easter eggs were in the driving sequences and not in the story. This was maybe a little bit less Fast and Furious outside of Dom, Roman, and Letty than Spy Racers. Yeah, like perhaps the length of the game is about two movies, but the content and story of the game, I personally feel barely felt like one yeah it's probably maybe an hour or a little over of actual cut scenes and i think nico your point about easter eggs being essentially adr dialogue we're like hey we're on this road driving straight for a couple minutes like let's throw some things in there i will say that some things that maybe seem like throwaway might have a bigger meaning andy was kind of being coy about some things he's like oh well we've read the script for nine we had read the script for eight before and so Mm -hmm. like because this game had been in development for years and he's like you know there's some there's some hints in here about where they're going i was like oh thailand and he was like, what, what, how, how did, how, what? They're going, theoretically, we think, to Thailand in nine. And this was kind of like a hint, a nod at the future of the franchise. What was kind of throwaway lines were actually maybe more. And so I don't want to couch this in a, we can't really judge eight until we see nine, even though that's kind of the game that we try to play here. But like, it does kind of feel like connective tissue that might play better after we see the next movie. I don't know. I do agree to some level. I have to wonder what needed to perhaps be adjusted to this game before it was released based on the fact that F9 got pushed. And I'm going to miss everybody. And I'm going to miss everybody. And I was I was worried about spoilers for that reason, Kevo. Like, Same. this was supposed to come out within four weeks of the movie. Like, is it going to spoil the movie if we see it? And I don't know. I don't know that, that we have answers for that one way or the other. Well, and it's because so much of the gameplay is about the cars. And so much of the film's success is not about the cars. You know, having Dom in this supervisory role, which, by the way, good job, Vin Diesel. You must have worked out really hard 
to look so good in this video game <laughs> and have such perfectly symmetrical pecs with no body fat. There was just something that felt, honestly, it's not the game's fault. The game was limited by its ability. That's not the same thing as the game sucks. You know what I mean? It had only so much room to play. And, you know, Kevin, you had made a point to me that it's two people of color, one of which is a woman. The man of color is killed off early on. And then a non-binary character whose non-binary status is kind of like gently tossed in here and there. There's really only one scene that I caught in the entire gameplay where they even address their pronoun status and even then they just kind of lightly dance around it and even then it's Vienna and Letty talking about Cam who is off screen so they are talking about the queer person's experience without them being involved in the conversation I was really 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 not as enamored of the quote-unquote visibility or diversity of this video game because it really feels i understand where it feels like an effort but if you're not making that effort in the film then i i don't i don't care that's why i said i feel like this is for the most liberal of the fast of course yeah, yeah. Fans. by the end of the video game it's really driven by letty vienna and cam which is something i am sure a lot of the dude bros weren't happy about and even then, I felt like Vienna and Cam stopped being in the game in favor of Roman for the last hour of gameplay, which isn't like the end of the world. Great to see Roman, but Roman is not the anchor of this franchise <laughs> where he gets the biggest chunk of the movie actors. No, he's the most expendable. He's the, he's the opposite of that. And you don't make up for the lack of multiple cast cameos by giving a fuck ton more to the people who did show up. How did you guys read the relationship between Cam and Vienna? Are they romantic? Because I feel like, again, the game kind of... So to go back to the pronouns thing, in a few lines of dialogue leading up to that scene where they're at the race and they're talking about how Cam had broken into Vienna's house and they just decided to hang out and become friends, they say, like, oh, they were this or they were that or whatever. And it's like, oh, like I don't know if they're talking... But like the way that they're dropped in, Vienna is talking about Cam, but it also could be like Cam and someone else. And so like the kind of the, the different pronoun might not actually just be about Cam. But then there's that one scene, Kevin, that you mentioned where they're like overlooking the racetrack and they're talking about how Cam was this loner child and they broke into Vienna's house. And, you know, she could have screamed, she could have called for her parents, but instead they just hung out and, you know, became friends. The game in how you said dances around that a little bit, but I still think it's overall a positive more than a negative. I don't have a sense, and I don't know that, Joe, if you have a sense either of like what the relationship, like I think there may be in a romantic relationship, no. but I also don't know. I would really love for you to talk me through what gives you that perception. And I don't have an answer. I, I think, don't have I think, that perception at all. I think the it's it's a similar but more central focus between like how Rico and Tego like they seem so close that we might think they're brothers. I just, I don't I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a good answer. Cam and Vienna, I didn't pick them as romantically involved at all because we're constantly shown Vienna's ex-boyfriends throughout the thing. Do I? I don't remember the ex. When, when did the ex-boyfriends play into that? Like the main guy that's running the drag race used to date Vienna at some point. Or at least like he's been hitting on Vienna. Yeah. No, I just thought he was hitting on her. But yeah, okay. I remember that of him creeping on her. Because like in in two, you know, Roman and Te Roman hits on Suki, but Suki is not, you know, and then Ted's just kind of hitting on Suki too, and that doesn't mean that they've ever dated. Just like it's the same kind of relationship. But Kevin, you said you like you didn't see them. It's not that I don't see the 
potential there the same way that I legitimately, not as a joke, see romantic chemistry between Brian and Dom. Sure. Or any number of characters who are not presented as potentially queer having romantic chemistry. But I really feel like it flashed in your mind more because you know that Asia Kate Dillon and the character by extension is a member of the queer community. But if they were two male portrayed as heterosexual characters, I don't think that would have occurred to you for a second. I really think that there's something to be said about softness birthed of a feminine look. I felt that there was nothing more romantic between Vienna and Cam than there was between Dom and Han at the beginning of four. Like, I almost think Cam is kind of an agitator in a positive way, not in like a mean way. But Cam seems to enjoy getting Vienna's goat a little bit. It's why I really appreciated your comparison of Cam to Tej, because I saw in a review someone saying that they were relieved that Roman could show up to provide comic relief because they didn't feel that Cam was very funny. But I don't think that Cam is meant to provide the same kind of humor as a Roman. They are meant to be a character who is more the competent, sarcastic, the Tej. I did appreciate the shout out to Suki. Speaking of Suki a few minutes ago, that, you know, Suki got a mention in this and there were nice touches back. But I, and as much as I like these characters, that's even part of it where you're like, oh, I walked away thinking they were romantically possibly there. And I'm kind of like, I walked away not knowing anything about these characters except for about five lines of backstory that were fed to me. I think if I had to pinpoint why I thought they were romantically evolved, I think that they the, the game portrays them in an intimate way, an intimate just as in like close, like they have, a, they have a shared history, right? And I think because we have focused in this franchise and in this lap and in past laps, so specifically on like the either, like you know, like you said, Kevo, the homoeroticism between Brian and Dom, all of that in mind, I think I was maybe equating or possibly misplacing closeness with romantic closeness. There's like, They never kiss. They never really, I don't think they embrace. Like, there's nothing there, but I just kind of got the sense that, and maybe it, maybe it is me uh, ascribing the, the real-life status of that actor to the part, but I just got the sense that they were they were more than just friends and I don't I don't know I don't have an I don't have an explanation for it and I, so I was kind of I wasn't asking just like to see if I was right but just to see how you read that relationship and I don't think that there is any problem with questioning it any more than legitimately questioning the chemistry between Brian and Roman in Too Fast mm -hmm. Too Furious or like any of those things like it's you know human dynamics are fascinating and I like to think or hope that in the next 10 to 20 years we can be seeing more stories where that sort of subtlety is acknowledged and pointed to and the lines of intimacy can be so blurred so it's not that i don't think there is anything there but i do not personally feel that it was specifically the creator's intention for that to be part of the actual plot of the story yeah i think that's fair and i think it kind of goes in line with the way the franchise is trending where it's kind of removing sexuality we have roman and tej hitting on ramsey because like yeah i guess you need that quote unquote you need that i don't know but like even mia becoming pregnant or elena becoming pregnant like they don't even like really hint at the fact that like sex happened it's just like oh she's got a baby in her now family is growing and family is important but i feel the franchise has so moved away from sexuality and like the early 
movies where like Mia is like you know, she's getting undressed and she, she she sits up sort of topless in bed like there's more sexiness and grittiness to the early movies and that there are these like these finely polished these sheen on these movies it would make sense why they're not you know if they're being progressive in one way they're also keeping in line with the franchise and like let's not talk about sex i think there is still a lot of sex to it actually i think they're still portrayed as very sexual creatures i just think it's less lowest common denominator sexuality because those first few movies were basically the back room at a CD bar and the sexuality <laughs> going on now is a little bit more the front room at a mediocre bar the thought that popped into my head is that the sexuality of the later franchise is more performative than demonstrative. There's things like people talking about hating on women, but there isn't like titties everywhere. There isn't any sort of like sex scenes. So I do agree that it's less graphic. I don't think that they have removed sexuality entirely, but I think they have definitely worked very hard knowing that they could hit younger target audiences to kind of clean up the sexuality, sanitize it a little. Yeah, I think that goes in line with the transition to the action movies as opposed to just car movies, right? Like we can hit younger demographics, we can hit moms and dads as opposed to just like 20-year-old kids who want to own a tuner, right? Like instead of having a very hyper niche but maybe super dedicated fan base, it's like, well, instead of having like 100,000 people who like this is their favorite movie of all time, we can now have 10 million people who like really like this movie. I think it's just all the transition. So I think you're you're spot on there, Kevo. Thanks. Overall, did you enjoy, I mean, I know you were exhausted exhausted by the three and a half hour thing because it is a lot to sit through did you take things away from this that you enjoy like are you glad like are you happy this is part of the canon or do you think like you could safely remove this and be like yeah i'm no i'm no worse for wear i'm not convinced it's part of the canon i'm convinced it's part of the release group but i'm not convinced this is going to affect fast nine i'm not and like for me that's part of what i look for when you call something canon right and i'm not trying to like split hairs here just i come from comics and you know, sure, no, no, it, no. it's a really different thing. When X-Men First Class, the film came out, all of a sudden that term was popular. The O5 couldn't be together. The original five X-Men couldn't be together because Gene was dead and Beast looked like an ape monster thing. You know, there, there's always something wrong with Angel. And so there was this demand for like classic X stories again. So they started publishing a book called X-Men First Class. And it was eight stories that took place in the original continuity and you could pop them right in the original run only they have a modern feel to them except you can't right because in the first ones it's things like beast saying bobby stop interrupting me i'm reading my popular science magazine in x-men first class number one it's bobby saying yo get out of the way fat boy because i'm trying to play some xbox it's just not the same. Now, supposedly, those events are canon. And that, that's kind of nebulous how they can be canon. They're supposedly canon, right? They came out and somebody could reference those events. Gene could say, oh, Wanda, remember that time we did that thing? And if they still did editor's notes, it would say, see, X-Men first class number seven. Did it really happen? You know, that's kind of how I feel about this video game. Did it happen? You know. I would probably say Spy Racers is a little bit more legitimate than this game, but I don't know that the two of them are that far apart from one another so much as they are that far away from the film. 
two points from me, actually. The first one, a different canon comparison that is along the same lines as yours. It makes me think of Star Wars and all the work that Disney has been doing to bring everything under one banner. A lot of people were very upset when a lot of the stuff from before 2014 that wasn't the main films or the Clone Wars TV show were quote-unquote thrown out of canon. The fact of the matter is none of it was under one unified vision, so there was a lot of weird contradictory stuff in there. And what Disney was attempting to do was make sure that that was no longer an issue. There are things that have that were mentioned in the video game that came out with Force Awakens that were then major plot points by the time we got to Rise of Skywalker. They're really going out of their way to make sure all of those things are connected. You know, there's minor bits here and there because it's such a large franchise and you really can't account for children's books. They're really doing the best they can there to make it worth your while to experience all of these things if you enjoy video games and books and comics and movies. I would agree that I don't think that there was, from my perspective, enough in this video game to potentially affect canon in a way that it would make it satisfying for me as a Fast Furious fan who was lured in by the promise of a cool video game. The second point that I thought of being, it does also very much remind me of Spy Racers. I didn't love this video game as a video game, but there were some good things that I drew out of it, and I kind of wish these characters could appear in Spy Racers. I don't see any of those characters, either in Spy Racers or this, ever crossing over to the film franchise, though. We had some hope that in the Letty-led movie that we might see an appearance of Camera Vienna, and because they modeled them after real-life people, that that is still a possibility. I think part of that, though, goes to the heart of understanding branding and brand tarnishing. If you make it that somebody feels like they're going to have missed out by not playing this unfortunately poorly Mm. received game when they watch the movie, that's going to be a turnoff for the movie. You can already hear critics being like, and they made you, you know, pay attention to this poorly received video game. What a cash grab. Really kind of connects to the idea of, of branding. Is it worth it to bring these thoughts back up? Is it worth it to summon back these ideas for the audience? Now, I actually do think there was plenty of good in this game. Unfortunately, it's just an example of the negatives are a little bit more glaring than the positives. Not that they outweigh it, but they're more significant. I see how that can kind of make it seem like I'm being negative. No, the cutscenes were fun. It wasn't a life-changing video game. It was sort of just like an episodic installment of Fast and Furious. You know, when I think about, you know, like just randomly, Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica was fantastic. I didn't watch Caprica, but I did watch Blood and Chrome. I remember thinking, wow, Blood and Chrome, what a well-intentioned stain on the series. Felt so unnecessary and unfulfilling this wasn't bad it's just another note but the game doesn't come together with quite the same sincerity that the films do i wonder if we've just entered a point in time where there's just too much stuff and you kind of have to choose your own adventure it's maybe okay like maybe they want to tell a story that is in the world but if the fact that it doesn't all quite come together is like is fine because like if cam and vienna show up in the movie cool if not all right i just wonder if you know especially as you guys were going down your star wars rabbit hole on html i just wonder if there's 
too many different things, like we did try the simplification of the canon, because like up until 18 months ago, there were eight movies and that was it. Like that was the entirety of the Fast and Furious canon. And now there's nine movies, three seasons of a TV show, a video game, upcoming movies, spin-offs, diverging timelines and paths. Like it kind of became unruly in a hurry. And I wonder if you can say, going back to the, the, the whether it's canon or not, like it could be, or it doesn't have to be. Like, it's just like a choose-your-own-adventure sort of thing, and maybe that's just the where where we are in pop culture now? And I do see that, especially as somebody obsessed with Marvel. I hear that a lot. As somebody who enjoys Star Wars, I hear that a lot. Star Trek, same thing. I think this was more a case of wrong story for the container or wrong container for the story. I would have been excited for this story as a three-episode, 40-minute animated installment thing where it, you know, it totals like two hours and it follows these characters and maybe each episode is from a different character's point of view, something like that. I would have enjoyed that. Drawing it out with the driving is part of what hurt the game. The story is there. The characters are even interesting in a way that I do want to know more. I think it's just these pieces didn't come together. This could have been a fun driving game. It probably would have been fun in the arcade, right? This Mm -hmm. could have been a really fun story, like on a TV show. It would have been a lot of fun there. I think trying to find a way to make this story this game or this game have this story was a little bit of a disservice to the game developers and the story developers involved. It's not a bad project, but it definitely falls on the lower end of my Fast Furious fanaticism. So then a question for you, and we have we had one of our listeners sort of spur this idea in my mind because he wrote in his idea for this, but if you were to make, if you were to green that, if you were to be, Nico, here are the keys to the kingdom, make a Fast and Furious video game that is on brand and appealing to gamers and just makes everyone happy across the board. Do you have an idea for like what kind of game that would be? I think it would have to be a little bit more involved on all fronts. This tried to be very generic in a middle of the road kind of way. I would want a garage and there would be characters at the garage and they build the car. I would then want the street team and the street team would do the fun little races and stuff. And then you save your Dom and your Letty, your big guns, for the bigger part. A lot of RPGs are able to balance multiple casts and you go from section to section in a still linear narrative kind of way. This just felt a bit all over the place and yet unfocused and yet too focused. Much like food all over the place. Right. I don't know that I have a story in me just yet, but I see opportunities for a further development of the idea on all fronts. This is like a really good beta, and I feel like you could develop it into a stronger game from what's here. Kevin, what about you? Do you have any thoughts on a story you would like to see told in a video game? You know, it occurred to me earlier that you would probably ask this question, so I was already thinking about what my answer would be. You're so smart. Part of my answer is that I reject the question. Okay. I... (laughs) I hear what you're saying, but it's one of those questions where it feels like people ask it, and I know you're not, but it feels like people ask it to make you defend why you think something wasn't good. I don't have any really great or better ideas necessarily. I more strongly feel the people whose job it was in the first place should have done better. We're at an age of game development where I'm not saying your job is easy, but it's not like the pc game for harry potter that came out with the first movie it's not the same grueling to figure out a story that would fit with the gameplay 
And I just feel like they should have done a better job in the first place. I think that's fair enough. And I, you know, I, I don't think that this was a, a bad game or a failure. And I think if you want to, if you're going back to what you were saying before about who this is for, like it's almost explicitly for people like me and Joe, right? It's like yeah. diehard fans who are forgiving, who are very liberal and open to non-binary characters and like things that, you know, people who love car movies, room room might not be on board for. So like, I'm willing to give like more good stuff and more character development and like just more like Dom one-liners. Like sign me up, I'm there. But our one listener sent in this idea where it's kind of, it feels a little like GTA, kind of like an RPG style. Shout out, Nico. You create the look and feel of your character and the look and feel of your car, and you come up in the Miami scene. And this is all before the first move, and you kind of get into with Tej's crew and Suki's crew and sort of work work your way up there, and then something happens, and you get run out of town, and you go to Los Angeles, and you work your way up in Dom's crew, and then something bad happens there, and you take the fall for Dom, and by doing all of that, you know, you... you write yourself out of future movies but also you get to know all these characters so it's like well how would you not know Joe 2 the racer who took the fall for Dom it's like well because he's in prison he never goes back up more customization more in line with what you're expecting in the in the game in the movie like if you're like hey there's a Fast and Furious game and you can't customize your car it's like what what yeah they were they were just mainly saying that they wanted more of like a prequel that would lead you more backstory of all of these characters that we know from the movies. And because you have the ability in the video game that you could you could spend like one plot line, one task with Suki and learn more about Suki and like lead up to where you begin at the beginning of the first movie. And this would allow them the space to play and use of characters because they all still existed before the first movie, but they just maybe didn't know each other and things like that. And then it also would give you a nice out of like how you don't have to explain why they're not referenced in the movies and stuff. Like Joey said, like I was just in jail. I do think we need to keep in mind that not everybody wants a prequel situation though. There is something so removed from the action of a prequel. Oh, nothing. Nothing here is going to affect anything. That's not a selling point for me. Like to hear you play as a guy who gets completely forgotten and no one talks about you ever again. That's not an allure point for me. I would be looking for something where I'm in the shit of it. I would want an adventure where I'm trying to stop a rocket with now Dom. I don't want to be the guy that Dom literally doesn't even remember in his rearview mirror. And I think that's something you have to be careful of. How do you balance expectations with canon with making it feel like it matters something spy racers did a little bit better it's like you know that the rogue squadron isn't going to survive rogue one but those characters still had a major impact on canon so it's what makes the story interesting to watch what else about this game do you guys want to talk about is there anything here of note that you particularly loved or particularly hated or felt some kind of way about some kind of thing like any other thoughts about fast and furious crossroads before we play a couple games i did enjoy that they tried to make it seem like the bad guys were ancient they tried to bigger story it for a video game it maybe gave it that little bit of a racist feel we're not crazy about where it's like oh the bad guys we're gonna call them by their foreign name oh the gabagools yeah the <laughs> gabagools, led by cobra kai and his father i don't have a bigger snake what's bigger than a cobra anaconda anaconda kai so i feel like in a lot of ways that was kind of a failing my anaconda don't want none unless you got Nas, son. <laughs> it was cute that there were references to Nas. Like, on the whole, this wasn't a bad... Like, 
I would have taken all the cutscenes and just made an hour-long pilot or something. This wasn't a bad game. My biggest complaint would be repetitive gameplay that was even more repetitive to watch. Yeah. I said it at the beginning, but even after all of this discussion, I'm really left more than ever curious what this video game would have looked like if it actually had been released with F9. And conversely, if perhaps it had been delayed even longer to match the actual release of F9. I don't necessarily know or have any reason to believe that they had to make any adjustments based on the fact that the film was coming out, other than it seems weird to tie their release together if they don't connect. So that is where my assumption comes from. But I do then wonder what it would have looked like then and what it might have looked like if they had instead spent a little bit of time, done more work on the game and then released it with F9 when it actually does come out. I just don't know enough about the making of, and you know, going back to what Nico was saying earlier, like I, I am aware of how much work is done after the fact, and you know, there's the big thing in the video game industry about like crunch and about how developers try to avoid crunch and having people work 80, 90, 100 hours a week just to make sure that like you hit that release date that was already delayed once or twice. Like earlier this year, they were like, hey, Cyberpunk was supposed to come out in August or whatever, but it's going to come out in December because we want our developers to have more time to work on it, like our engineers and our coders and whatever. And then they're like, it's also going to make sure that they don't have to work these crazy hours. And then like a month ago, they were like, yeah, we're still going to have to work the crazy hours, right? So like <laughs> there's so much insanity behind the all elements of the production of a game. I feel you don't, you don't necessarily have more time maybe with Vin Diesel to animate more cutscenes, like maybe you add in some music or you improve some driving skills or maybe you add in a customizer. Like I don't know. Like there's also a multiplayer element to all this that we were not exactly able to fully get into, maybe some technical issues. But like there's customization there in terms of like license plate and cars and aesthetics and stuff like that. So there is kind of an element of all that, but it's kind of a shame that it's not maybe Kevin to your point, if there if it was delayed another year, maybe you bring some of that into the main game. I don't know. And I do want to highlight since you mentioned it, the lack of music was very jarring. I realized about halfway through that that was part of what was taking me out of the story is the fact that it's this dead silence as all of the characters are talking it really reduced the cinematic nature of the story and also like not to pick on the graphics but these did feel like some clunky graphics for such a successful film franchise yeah to the music point we only played this for the first time four months ago but it might as well have been four years ago with the way the year is gone so i don't really remember but there's a chance and i want to offer the possible out here that because we watched a youtube video a lot of games have like a streamer mode or a no music mode to like let you put this stuff up there but like even in this video they still had a copyright issue that the guy had to mute the video for eight minutes right and i don't know but i don't remember there being i don't remember there being music either i was thinking about it when kevo said it and Fast and Furious is such a music-driven franchise. Yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. And I'm not as into, and I don't, I don't say this like as an as a real criticism of like my like it's not it, this does not reflect how I feel about music in movies. But I am not always as aware of the score as Kevo as you are. So like, because I mean, early like in the HTML MCU, like your knowledge and passion for the scores in like the Thor movies or whatever I was like I never even like really thought about that but I think when it's done right my brain's just like oh yeah it's part of it but like your ability to kind of pick it out and highlight it and be like oh well this composer also did x y and z or whatever like I know that you're more into it than I am but I also would have remembered I think if there was music in the game and I, I just 
really don't know that there was. That is something that I frequently say to people. Music is in, in movies and TV for most people is something that you don't really notice when it's good, but you really notice when it's bad. And lacking is is bad. Yeah. And like there are certain like, you know, we did recently on the show, was it I guess our last episode was Shutter Island and like there's the Max Richter song on the nature of daylight, which was used so beautifully in Arrival, and I'm gonna gush about that again here and whenever I hear that pop up in other movies I get a little angry that like you can't have a rival song, but you know, Shutter Island uses it kind of in the background, like it's not as prominent or I don't think as effective, but like it still works and I don't know, I guess you just have to train yourself to kind of look for it or listen for it, right? So it's also that Fast and the Furious is a franchise where you kind of care more about the actors than you do about the characters. It's sort of fine that Deckard Shaw has absolutely no consistency to his personality. It really is. It's basically Jason Statham walking into a room going, I've got like the biggest uncut cock in the room, right? (laughs) And then like, it's The Rock walking in and some of his dialogue is literally, I have a giant Polynesian dick. Like that's actually half of his dialogue, right? And then you got Vin Diesel walking in going, Ain't nobody looking at my cock with how big I am. Right? And you've got Letty walking in and she's like, played by Michelle Rodriguez. So inherently she's like, my dick is the biggest. Right? And (laughs) you care about those actors and you let that transfer back onto the characters. There's a number of shows where Kevo and I are like, this show has no actual continuity until the characters become the actors. You're just kind of fine with it. Taking out the thing that we love, the actors, and keeping some of them, don't get me wrong, You took out the dynamic balance, right? You took out what created a holistic worldview. This video game suffered from trying to be taken seriously. I think that really was a problem. So many video games get called out on not doing anything different than the films or not progressing the story any further. This actually tried, and that's of note and of value. It just didn't land how they wanted. Very fair, very well said. Is there anything else either of you want to say, or Joe, if you want to say before we play a couple games? No, I just wanted to hear their take on it, so I, I was more just listening because we've you know, talked about it. I watched through it again, so... Guys, any other parting wisdom before we play a couple games? Just that I would really hope that this doesn't mean that Fast and Furious is never going to get another video game of substance again. Mm. And, you know, I use the phrase of substance sort of, I guess, melodramatically... I hope this isn't the last shot at this franchise to do something. I think one of the things that we need to recognize is that gaming is a multi-billion dollar industry. It wouldn't have been a mistake to make a Roman game. It wouldn't Uh have been a mistake to make a Tej game. It wouldn't have been a mistake to make a what Han was doing between 4 and Tokyo Drift game. And you could have had several people come in. I love these new characters in terms of I love the progressiveness. I love the decision to be, you know, you can either be static or dynamic. You can either choose to stay the same and produce the same thing over and over again for 100 movies, or you can be dynamic and change. And I really appreciate the attempt at dynamism. Fast and Furious is not a franchise people care about for its incredibly intricate plots. It's a franchise that people care about because the guys are humongous and the women are badass. It wouldn't have been a bad idea to put Tony and Tej in a video game together. Like, find a way... That's my parting shot. I hope this isn't the end of the Fast and Furious video game franchise. I don't think it will be. I saw a YouTube video. It was like the history of Fast and Furious video games. There were like seven or eight, not including this one. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, yeah, so like a bunch, yeah. it's a profitable brand, and I'm sure that somebody else will take a stab at it before things are said and done. Kevo, any, any parting shots? Any final thoughts? Nah. All right, so let's play This Ain't No 10 Second Race, a.k.a. Boy Do We, 
have a podcast for you. This is where we go on Twitter.com, a.k.a. The Bird app, and we find a tweet from someone that might be interested in our show, and we like, retweet it, and respond to them with, Boyd, we have a podcast for you, and see what happens. So I found Sunflower Xena at Kissy Perks, who was quote-tweeting from David with four pictures of Vanessa Kirby. David said, Vanessa Kirby, Best Actress 2021. Sunflower said, wait, is this Hattie and Hobbs and Shaw? Then her jamming on her keyboard for a while. We love Hattie so much. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. She liked it and replied, so I get six points. Joe, you found Aubrey at Baby Driver. Wait, I'm actually really enjoying Hobbs and Shaw. Wait, wait, we really enjoy Hobbs and Shaw too. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. And she liked it and replied too, so Joe gets six points. Nice. All the points. Joe, you're up to 38, and I'm at 29 and a half. Okay. So I just retook the lead over, the second place lead over Nico, who had passed me because God damn it. All right, but okay. Okay. Nico, you found... Bunch of emojis, Shobs, CWTB21, at Mia Juice, and this was the slash fiction fan fiction of Hobbs and Shaw having a loving family with Samantha Hobbs, and also maybe Madam M and Hattie being together, Hattie Shaw. We said, this is amazing. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Mia Juice did not... Did not care. That's like, this is right in our wheelhouse, too. I'm sorry, you should have gotten points for that. And then Kevin found DFastXO at D underscore speeder. Watch The Fate of the Furious, and it is still a good movie. My favorite scene was the ice scene and the submarine. Going to be watching the last hashtag Fast and Furious movie, which is hashtag Hobbs and Shaw tomorrow. Check out our next episode all about it. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Mm. A successful... Jaunt venture for the uh, the home team, but the guests unfortunately came up empty, and I am uh, truly sorry for that, guys. I thought you were going to do something. I thought I thought we were going to get it, but yeah. we did not. You're usually right. beating us, anyways. This time, Joe, do you want to read your tweet? Yes, it's from Bryce Pools, P U L S at Bryce Pools, P U L S. Okay, now Cam is driving a car that can force push. Is this the best game ever made? Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Kevo gets Joe Ho Ho at Nice to Know Joe. I'm re-watching the Fast and Furious series and then smiley face emoji with the hearts all over it. Well, that's dead on. That's Joe 5 at this point, right? I'm just going to say, come join the Joes. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. So much Joe. There's so much Joe Ho Ho for sure. It is Christmas time indeed. All right. And then, Nico, you found Adam Burke at ATP Burke. I realize that we are only one film away from the 10th Fast and Furious movie. And I would like now to publicly start the campaign to ensure that it is called Fast 10 Your Seatbelts, <laughs> which we've heard before, not new. Yeah. Or I'll Be Furious, which oh. I like. We can do this. Boy, do we, we have, have a podcast. We want to say we co-sign. And then I found from the other night... Corey Johnston at Spikey's 123 underscore Vin Diesel in colon Fast and Furious Crossroads 2, baby. Oh. Hashtag the Game Awards. That's what they wanted confirmed. They're just wishing I th- it. I'm guessing it's probably about Ark. We'll take Vin Diesel in all the games. Thank you very much. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Yeah, you know, it was really nice that he was in the game. I know that, you know, it's probably like, hey, that's how he gets paid. But like. It was at least nice seeing him in the game. So when we went to, have you been to, I know you guys are big theme park guys, have you gone to Universal Studios Orlando where they have the Fast and Furious ride? Have you done Fast and Furious Supercharged or no? No, we haven't done Universal in a while. In there, there is this, you know, you walk through and like, this is very cool because you like literally Spoilers. walk through Dom's garage. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> 
and you walk through the garage and you walk through all this like it's it's very cool and then like you get to a thing and there's like interactive video and it's ludicrous you're like oh that's awesome hey like let's talk to our friend the you know Hobbs and 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 Dom and like they're just not there and like they make excuses for them it's just like eh, well okay like I get it like you could have shown up or something right like or had like they call in like one phone line you don't even see their face so I agree like it's cool that he actually got mo-capped or whatever did his thing and yeah he was there for the game all right we have one more game to play dude what's my car dude what's my car what your car dude so kevo can you please pick a number for me between one and seven? Oh, i didn't know you were gonna say seven i was about to say eight uh <laughs> five i'm going to ask one more time i ask this every time would you like to help me give clues or do you want to guess with joe you know normally i give it but you know for joe I'll stay next to him and hold his hand while he takes it. <laughs> Thank you. This one from Hector Pena, subject line Japanese. Oh my boat god, and then it's Pena, so you just made it all perfect. Japanese boat car pick. I don't know where the boat comes in, but it's a Japanese car, okay? Okay. Hey Joey's have a car pick for y'all that I believe is the Japanese equivalent of a modern muscle car. I know okay. this car from a YouTuber that owned one with a custom paint job that changed color based on what angle you were looking at. Unfortunately, sold it about two years ago to afford to buy an R34 GTR. He lives in Britain now, just so you know. Cool. Here is the car, not his car. Hopefully y'all like it. Stay fast. Stay furious. So it's 2018. It is yellow. It is not Bumblebee. Yeah, it's a Japanese muscle car. I did not know this was a Japanese brand. Is it Kia? Is Kia a Japanese brand? No, Kia. Kia's not Korean, I think, and it's not Kia. Is it a? Is it a Subaru? Nope. Okay, a brand. I would say it's a, it's a luxury brand. A Lexus. Uh huh. What is the? Like, Apparently, a Lexus is the parent company is uh, yeah. Toyota. So yeah. I did not know that. Like Acura is Honda. Is it a Lexus IS two thousand? No, this car's from twenty eighteen. I don't know if the IS2000 was from the year 2000 or if that's just the model no, number, but this is from 2018. What a poor car being born into COVID. It's oh. awful, right? Like, he's just learning, he's learning to walk, and he can't even walk. Two doors. Okay. A sleek, aerodynamic, sort of low to the ground. Is it, like, letters and numbers, or is it, like, a car name? Uh, just letters. I don't know any of the Lexus ones. That's why I said IS2000. Um... It is... The front is... I guess it kind of looks like a Camaro, kind of. Okay. Like, I don't think, I don't know if I would look at this and think American muscle. I would look at this and kind of think more Euro sports car, but not like Ferrari, but like kind of, I guess maybe half between like Euro sports car and American muscle. I'm, I'm not going to get it with the letters and numbers though. The so. headlights look like eyeballs, not eyeballs, but just eyes. Nico, Kevo, you guys want to guess some letters? T. R. R is the first letter. You're R one is for go- one. Okay, good. There you go. It's an RXL7. RXL7. None of those other ones are right, but you Great. have R. It's a 2018 Lexus R. Kevo, guess a letter. P. R-S-T-L-N-E. None of those are right, and P is not right either, unfortunately. It's going to be an Alexis, are we still interested? I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm going to say you're not interested, but the last two letters are a positional, they're a position on the baseball diamond. No idea what that means. Wait, okay. So is it like an R-O-F? Like You're very close, but more specific. R-C-F? R-C-F. A 2018... Lexus RCF. Nico gets it basically. He he guessed yeah, the R everything, and he guessed the outfield. So yeah, I immediately went to outfield. I was like, wait a minute, position on a baseball diamond. I'm gonna go yeah. with one that's not actually on the diamond. Oh, that's cool though. Yeah, this Perfect. is this is like a Toyota Camry that 
is an a Lexus version of it. I didn't even know that they were making these, but that's cool. Well, thank you, Hector, for saying that. In, I don't know what's called the Japanese boat car pick. I don't know where the boat came from, but yeah, no I was idea. expecting one of those like duck cars that can go into Same. water, just ducky tours or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, this is gonna be a Lexus duck fucker, and then it wasn't. <laughs> It's a Lexus to remember when, when it's a duck fucker, right? So, but uh, thank you both for joining us. So you will be back next Tuesday to talk to us once again. We are going to do our exit interview with you guys. Wait, are we not doing Spy Racers? What's happening? We are, but it's not out yet. It comes out on Christmas or like the day after Christmas or something. Fine. I can't make it come out faster for you. <laughs> you would think that if anybody got early access, we would be toward the top of the list. But yes, on Tuesday. So here's here's our plan for the rest of the month. On Tuesday, we are doing your exit interview. We are getting your rankings, and we are also going to watch with you on the episode, the F9 trailer. So if you have not watched it yet, do not. Save it for the episode, and I want to talk about it with you guys and see what your reactions are, quote-unquote, live on air. Then, the week after that, I hope you will do us the honor of joining us for the latest installment into You Are My Lifespan fan fiction. Oh, please, yes. Where That's Joe will assign part. characters to both of you. You will get to play a part in the world. I am the narrator, and Joe voices... Joe it's basically it. does all the voices of all the characters, then we bring in special guests to do characters. So if you will do us the honor of joining us for that, please. that will be in like a week and a half. And then the week after that, we will be doing... Joe and I will first be doing Fast and Furious Spy Racers Sahara, and then you will join us for on Friday, January something or other... Uh, the maybe the eighth sounds right even as we wind down this lap you're still gonna be joining us hopefully three more times so again you know we can never get rid of you we can't quit you guys so thank you for joining us once again well it's a pleasure to be here this was probably the least engaging but certainly not the episode we had the most problems with so (laughs) that Honor still goes to Tokyo Drift appropriation factor. What would you guys like to plug? What would you like to talk about? Where would you like people to follow you? Shows to listen to? You know the drill by now. What do you want to plug? Check out X's for Podcast, where we are now doing our This is the Reign of X, or as we call it, Tit Rocks, on (laughs) X-Men, where we're covering all of the new stuff going on, and we've expanded our coverage. We have so many fucking hosts that we had to expand our coverage to make sure that every host had a spot. So if it's got a mutant in it, I guess we read it now. I'm finally caught up. I caught up yesterday. And the last one, you're like, this isn't really an X-Men comic, but here's why we're covering it. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, that's that's where we're at now. All right, I like it. I can dig it. Yeah, uh, we talk about buckets of blood. I do want to point out that, like, some, I make a lot of jokes, but, like, two episodes ago, we talked about a book called X Factor and, you know, I wound up talking about being in an abusive relationship. Uh, one of our other contributors talked about being a woman in comics and that actual threats of violence have been lobbied against her for just being a woman in comics. And that's terrible. You know, as silly as it sounds that we're talking about X-Men books, it gets really real sometimes. And yeah. that's really powerful. And it's something we're really proud of. And twice a week now on Tuesdays and Fridays. So as this episode comes out, every time there's a new Too Fast, Too Forever, there's a new Exus for podcast. So go check it out at cageclub.me or wherever you get podcasts. And Kevo, what about you? Anything you want to plug? Well, you know what we got that rarely gets too serious is husbands talking more or less. We have been in the middle of trying to conquer the fantastic adaptations which have been uh less so but we have done it in anticipation of the potential and now confirmed announcement of fantastic four returning to our screens we also have some fun holiday things planned for this month if we ever get off our asses and get around to it well you know it's been a weird winter like if you're not like i we've been lucky enough in our immediate family to avoid 
you know, the dreaded Cove, but my name is Cove and it's been really hard to avoid, right? We've all kind of had other stuff going on and like it's been everything we can do to keep our jobs and also keep, you know, at least one podcast running. We're pretty excited that this year is fucking done and we can get back to being human beings that enjoy life. Wait, wait, wait. I had one too. You in the Cove lane. (laughs) I did it. Kevo, can you please share, so we talked about on here before about wanting to cross over, that Mike Mansky's idea to wanting to cross over with the Universal Monster movies, and you had an idea for a movie title <laughs> that is, it's too good to pass up. Aw, oh, thank you. I was talking about how I want vampires to cross over into the Fast Furious franchise, and they would have to uh, face a vampire named Nas Feratu. <laughs> and I would like to point out that it would be the Too Fanged, Too Furious. Oh... It's very good. It's very, very good. Maybe oh, something. God. I will also say, while we're on the topic of Fantastic Four, sort of kind of, you know, wait, a minute or two ago. I, wait, no, but I forgot something. I'm so sorry. What? My clutch Letty moment was Letty actually showing up. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Kevo, do you have a clutch Letty moment? Uh, no. <laughs> no. I guess same as Nico, Letty showing up. Cool. What I want to say is that on the topic of Fantastic Four, we have Jamie Bell from the new Fantastic Four, Fan Four Stick, is just got cast as... Uh, Fred Astaire in a new Fred Astaire Ginger Roberts movie with uh, Margaret Wally as Ginger Roberts. Uh, Hold on. Gay people here. Ginger Rogers? Ginger Rogers. Sorry. Ginger Rogers. Yes. Yeah. Who's Ginger? Uh, Margaret Qualley, whom I love, the daughter from The Leftovers. She was in Once Upon a Time in oh. Hollywood. Ginger she never is... danced backwards. She is a dancer, though. Have you seen, like, the Kenzo World video, the, the commercial, I guess, that Spike Jones directed with her in it? Incredible. She's amazing. You know, I grew up on classic uh, MGM musicals like my dad's very heterosexual but my dad has some real gay interests right? <laughs> and so I was raised on a lot of movie musicals you know Fred Astaire is so talented and this is just this has nothing to do with anything but it kind of does now while Vin Diesel and Paul Walker may he drive in peace forever up in the Hove Lane in heaven Hoven right Hoven they're both so good but like Fred Astaire I don't know how to put it. Fred Astaire, like, danced, and it always looked great, and goddamn was he always bay on the beat. But Gene Kelly made it so fucking sexy. Yep. Gene Kelly moved like he was seriously seducing you. That's a that's like a specific quality Vin Diesel has. Mm. Vin Diesel moves like seduction. That is just a little something that maybe the game missed out on. Vin Diesel's natural body language, the way he heaves his immensity around, very different than The Rock, who moves like a bodybuilder. Vin Diesel moves like a an exotic dancer on his off day. That was something missing from this franchise installment as well. Also, ugh, Margaret Qualley is a celebrity baby. I have less interest now. Oh, but she's wonderful. I know she's Annie McDowell's daughter, right? Yeah, but that's just, you know, okay, great. You were born on third base. Congratulations for getting all these roles. Mm, but she's an amazing dancer, wait, hold so that's on. fine. Andy yeah. McDowell, Andy McDowell is third base in a softball league i wouldn't get too excited <laughs> the one other thing while we we're on the topic of dancing my final thought for this episode i'm sending you guys a video on facebook russ tamblin aka dr jacoby on twin peaks is an amazing dancer as well i don't know if you've seen this video father of amber tamblin father of, wife Tams, of david cross author of any man and lots of other books but russ tamblin plays dr jacoby there's a video of him on youtube just called russ tamblin dancing if you want to see a guy do things with his body that i've never seen done before and this is like in the 50s probably the 60s like in a movie called the fastest gun alive just yeah the, the singing in the rain stuff like the old-timey dancing is like it's amazing what people used to be able to do with their bodies which i guess they still can but like 
We don't showcase it enough. So God damn it, Fred and Ginger, let's do it. Darling, I need you to think about your audience when you say a phrase like, I'm going to send you a video with a guy doing things with his body that you've never seen before. <laughs> because I definitely had to message some people one time to be like, look, I sent you a video of me doing something that a lot of people can't do. I really need you to delete it. My face is in it. So like... <laughs> I'm the author of some of those videos myself. <laughs> well, this is on YouTube, not Scruff, but it's fine. We're all good. Scruff or Scruffed? No, Scruff. Scruff. Just, it's present tense. Present tense. Present tense. Okay, cool. For all things Too Fast 2 Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast 2 Forever, or at Too Fast 2 Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at TooFast2Forever.com and our store at TooFast2Forever.shop. And come back next time for the long kiss goodnight as we enter the Christmas season with guest and patron Christian Larson. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And that was Kevo Reese and Nico Basillo of the Husbands Talking More or Less podcast. And we'll tell you all about it 